Welcome to the Keep Calm and Defibrillate podcast. In this episode, Dave and I will discuss the human stress response and its implications in the workplace. This episode is, I am not a saber tooth. Please keep listening. Everyone is aware of the fight-or-flight reflex. Through evolution, the natural response to stress was a great thing. Think of an attack by a saber-toothed tiger or a warring tribe in times of resources being scarce. You'd want your cardiac output and blood pressure to go up so you can engage in battle or speed to your escape. Therefore, epinephrine and norepinephrine pour out. With vasoconstriction and increased fibrinogen levels, you'd bleed less when you were injured. Cortisol levels are increased and blood sugars go up. Again, good in battle, but if you're stressed because you want to talk to a doctor who you know is going to yell at you, or give a public speech on a complex issue, it's not so good. Hypertension, stroke, cardiovascular disease occur. Psychologically, you're looking for an outlet for your increased aggression at that point, and you're looking to stab the saber-toothed tiger in the carotid, or maybe even that jerk doctor, or you're trying to run and you're thinking about running and hiding. Good idea for the saber-toothed tiger, bad idea for dealing with the doctor. Worse, our chronic stress often leads us to deal with our coworkers and our spouses as if they were saber-toothed tigers. Humans, unlike other animals, have a level of consciousness which gives us the ability to ruminate, to think about the past and the future. This adds another facet to that response to danger, that response to imagined danger. Regardless of what sets off the physiologic cascade, real danger or imagined danger, the effects on the cardiovascular system and that hormonal flood are exactly the same. The unfortunate result of this is that the built-in response to non-threatening environments in the workplace act exactly like real dangers in the real world. Uh, It can interfere with our functioning efficiently, and the term for this chronic heightened level of preparedness is stress. So, stress. How can we function if this is an inherent part of our nervous system and hormonal makeup? How are we going to be able to function? I I mean, essentially, I think we're screwed. Stress is all bad, and we can't avoid it, right? Well, I have to point out that stress is not 100% bad. Uh, Some levels of stress impels us to do that which needs to be done, whether it's write the essay and get it handed in before the deadline, or to respond to that patient's heart monitor that is indicating some malignant arrhythmia. In undergraduate school, I uh, took psychology as a major, and one of my psychology textbooks had a little saying at the beginning of each chapter about that topic, and I loved the one on stress, which was, the same heat which melts the butter hardens the egg. There are individual responses to stress, and it may be that the stress for one person impels them to do the good thing, and in another person it impels them to act counterproductively. Uh, The task is to respond positively uh, with problem-solving actions instead of being frozen by dread or panic and engaging activities which are not only not helpful but are counterproductive. Whimpering and 
losing bladder control rarely improves the situation. Over a hundred years ago, in about 1908, two scientists, Robert Yerkes and John Dodson, discovered a fact about human performance called the inverted U, kind of a bell-shaped curve type of chart. They found that performance and uh, function at low levels of stress and anxiety are not so good because your attention level is lower and your response times are poorer. As your increased levels of anxiety and stress uh, go up, so does your performance up to a point. And that is good stress, or what they call eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. Stress means to emphasize, and it's not necessarily negative. However, if you pass that level of peak performance, the anxiety and stress levels impede your performance and your performance levels uh, go down considerably, just like they do on that bell-shaped curve. It's wrong to think that your performance would improve if your stress levels were completely gone from your life. It takes that certain amount of stress just to get out of bed and do your activities of daily living. Positive stress helps you focus your attention. And I have no superstitions at all, and I will use the word slow in emergency departments. We have noticed over time that when things are slow, your level of attention and your ability to uh, control your circumstances are almost as bad as when things are going haywire in the emergency department. Uh, there is, however, a level of busy at which you function maximally, and things go great, and it's a very good feeling uh, that you're handling things as they come up. If you think like Goldilocks, uh, you know, the bed was either too hard, too soft, or just right. If we hit that Goldilocks function, uh, that just right function, uh, that seems to help. Uh, if you're scared uh, and you have increased levels of activity, uh, you pay intense attention, you're highly alert, and you get an immediate response with an outpouring of epinephrine and norepinephrine, and that norepinephrine actually uh, binds circuits together in the prefrontal cortex. Yeah, you know, uh, back in the 80s, a guy named Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi was, a, was an immigrant uh, from Russia uh, doing research in the United States, discussed the term flow. Uh, and I, I think we can all identify with this when something's going on in the emergency department that just is totally absorbing. We don't even realize that time is passing by. You know, an hour goes by and it seems like a minute. Uh, and that's the state of flow where we actually are doing things in automatic and our uh, our level of challenge is high, but we know what to do and we feel comfortable with what we're doing. And, and that's essentially um, what's referred to as flow, uh, and it's been used a lot in athletics as well. That's great. We understand that stress can be good or it can be bad, but that chronic level of stress, that chronic heightened awareness, chronic heightened uh, cardiovascular tone, heightened levels of norepinephrine, epinephrine, cortisol, uh, blood sugar, uh, these things can have a deleterious effect. And uh, these are the kinds of things that can make us work inefficiently and can actually have a deleterious effect on us at uh, work. But Dave, uh, what are some healthy methods of dealing with that chronic stress? 
Okay, so uh, essentially we've gone back to this concept over and over again, and we'll probably continue to go back to it, but we can choose our mindset at work. We want to have a healthy attitude towards stress, viewing problems at work as challenges rather than, than oh my God, this is a horrible thing. And, and you can develop that mindset just by, by, by having that mindset when you go into work. In fact, we, we can train ourselves to the point where we say, hell yeah, I've got this or we've got this as a team and, and have the team attitude that way as well. Fully understanding there are times where we ultimately, we don't got this and, and, and we may make a wrong, wrong judgment or a mistake. But number two, if we've made a mistake, we, we need to learn some techniques of self-compassion. Uh, we'll go back to this over and over again. The compassion uh, is key to healthier work environments on multiple levels. And, and we'll actually probably do a, an entire podcast on the, on the concept of, of compassion. But it's important that you have self-compassion. And you can YouTube self-compassion, get some great talks. Uh, Dr. Kristen Neff has done a number of these talks that you can find on YouTube. And she's also got a great book on this as well that I've read. Further, number three, I think, I think it's important to train for situations that might terrify you and might make your stress level go up, whatever it is that terrifies you. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I had spent three years out of the emergency department uh, to do urgent care, and it's pro- it probably was four or five years since I had done a central line. And and my technique previously, Rex and I again were dinosaurs, and we had done our central lines by by anatomy and landmarks, and not with a, an ultrasound. So what I did is I got from work a central line kit, and I went home in my bedroom, and I just over and over, kind of picked up which needle was next, how I was going to attach the needle so that I knew where the bevel was. And went through the exact sequence over and over again. And then I watched some videos on YouTube of how to use the uh, the ultrasound. And finally, I had three doctors, three of the young, uh, great doctors that I worked with who were very ultrasound savvy, come in with me on my first three cases that I did in the emergency department until I was, uh, I was comfortable. And that brings up another point. You know, I, I have an extreme, extremely large ego, but... Uh, thankfully, I wasn't afraid to ask for help. Uh, so don't be afraid to ask for help physically, mentally, uh, emotionally. You know, the, there's a famous story also about uh, building teamwork where, where Ben Franklin had a technique where he he would go to his uh, adversaries and ask a favor of them because, you know, he knew that ultimately that would psychologically make them more likely to feel like an ally rather than an enemy. So, uh, number four, recognize when stress arises in the moment and learn some simple techniques to give you a little space to deal with that stress mentally. Simple things like just taking three slow, deep breaths can slow your heart rate and allow you to get back in the moment and out of your terror. And there's, there's just a ton of these psychological mechanisms if you regularly practice uh, some kind of a simple meditation technique of breathing, you'll begin to realize that you can actually feel your heart rate and you can feel it slow. 
And, and psychologically, we're, we're brought into terror by an elevated heart rate. If you've ever had asthma and gotten a shot of adrenaline, epinephrine, uh, for your asthma, it actually brings on a feeling of fear because we identify those things together. So slow, deep breaths to slow your heart rate can bring you out of that fear as well. And if you're dealing with chronic stress versus uh, days... Uh, talk here about uh, dealing with the acute stressful situation. One of the things is to be prepared for it. And how do you prepare yourself for chronic stress? And one of the big things is quite simply to live a healthy lifestyle. Those of us who work shift work have a sleep deprivation problem. And sleep is profoundly important. You have to get enough. People who claim, you know, oh, I get by on three or four hours of sleep are in a state of heightened anxiety awareness and those hormonal uh, floods that they are denying, but it is happening to their body. It's going to stress your system, and you have to get enough sleep to balance yourself uh, in both work and family environments. Next is diet. Eat well. Don't overeat. Don't eat the highly processed foods, but eat natural whole foods. And don't allow yourself to get so hungry that you're hangry. Avoid those processed foods and alcohol in moderation. If you are finding yourself dealing with stress by drinking, then perhaps you need to uh, develop some other techniques. Exercise is profoundly important. 30 minutes or so, about five days a week, improves your cardiovascular function, it improves your muscle tone, and it's good for you mentally. It is well known that five days a week of 30 uh, minutes of light exercise, uh, such as a brisk walk outdoors, is as effective in fighting depression as, as, as our SSRI antidepressant medications. And unlike some of the medications, there are no bad sexual side effects to exercise. Uh, you lose weight, you increase your muscle tone, and you have better stamina. Another thing is to build positive relationships, as Dave was mentioning. Develop allies, develop good contacts uh, with people, uh, both in family and friends. And it is much better to have a small coterie of friends than to have 350 Facebook friends. Uh, that uh, remote type of uh, effect does not decrease your stress and anxiety levels nearly as well as having someone who listens to you compassionately and is empathetic with you. Uh, who you know uh, is very important uh, and is as, as important as how many people you know. Uh, you can also learn about these techniques of empathic listening. You can read about it. There are still books out there. You can uh, listen to audible books. You can watch YouTube videos. There are many great books if you just uh, look on good listening techniques. Um, in about 1989, uh, Dr. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which was a very good book and very popular. And one of his seven habits was uh, first to understand and then be understood. In other words, during a conversation, you're not looking for that pause so that you can add the thing that you were planning to say anyway, regardless of what they said, but to actually understand what the person's saying. When you work for your, uh, with colleagues and in your team, look for the good things in them and 
accentuate the positive. Uh, we've mentioned before the idea that uh, you have three compliments for every criticism improves workflow, it improves your relationship with the team, and we have try to, to practice this uh, throughout our work environment. And lastly, stress reduction techniques. Uh, this is such a broad topic that we're going to cover a lot of these things real specifically in further episodes. Uh, but use whatever works for you personally. If you're going to use exercise, which we recommend, then find the exercise that works for you. Uh, if you really get bored sitting on a rowing machine, that may not be the best exercise for you. However, walking outdoors might be a great thing for all of us because just being outdoors helps uh, reduce your stress as does uh, the exercise while you're uh, out there. In 1975, a Harvard physician, Dr. Herbert Benson, uh, studied people's physiologic responses to meditation. He wrote a book, uh, which was a groundbreaking book, called The Relaxation Response, and said that not only do we have this response to respond uh, to these situations, we also have a response to bring ourselves down from that heightened level of stress and anxiety. And he said that meditation was a marvelous method of doing this. He studied uh, meditation. Uh, transcendental meditation was a big thing at the time, which was tied up with a whole lot of Eastern mysticism and those kinds of things. And he found that the technique basically was quiet contemplation, sitting quietly in a place without a lot of stimulation, concentrating on your breathing and using a mantra, a something you say over and over again. And in Transcendental Meditation, you paid a lot of money to get some uh, Sanskrit mantra. But he said all that was important was continually going over uh, this, for instance, saying uh, to yourself the word one as you exhale, uh, concentrating on your breathing. There are a lot of meditation techniques one of which is prayer. Uh, if you're a religious person, almost every religion has a quantity of prayerful contemplation uh, with uh, rote prayers, uh, which you repeat over and over uh, in your lifetime. And these things are basically a form of meditation. Prayer should be uh, just that, a repetitive, contemplative uh, type of thing rather than uh, just sitting down and asking uh, God for the pony that you didn't get for your birthday. <laughs> there are some technological methods also. Uh, one is biofeedback. You can buy uh, commercially available for personal use biofeedback things that uh, monitor your heart rate, your respiratory rate, uh, your blood pressure, your galvanic skin responses, all these kinds of things that are heightened during stress and you can actually learn to decrease uh, the heightened levels uh, of those physiologic functions and there's also uh, some apps which help one of which uh, Dave highly recommends called healthy mind and uh, it's uh, got a free as most apps do a free component or a paid component and he claims that it helps him think although Dave I must point out that I haven't really seen that that's working for you yeah yeah but just think of the alternative if I was thinking pre uh, uh, meditation that I, I, I started meditating back in the 80s in, in kind of a simple way I didn't I read a book uh, by John Cabot uh, Zinn I, I actually read the Herbert Benson book 
uh, first, and that was uh, in the late 70s. I, I, I read it when it was still a best, bestseller. But then John Kabat-Zinn's stuff came out. Uh, he wrote a book called Full Catastrophe Living, and it's it's a, still a fantastic book. I've gone back and read it over again. I, I don't follow the, the, the long periods of meditation. I've never done a meditation retreat. Not that those aren't good ideas for people to do, and I think that you know, given the right set of circumstances, some people actually require uh, a teacher to do um, uh, good meditation because, I mean, some people kind of get lost in their own heads. For me, though, it's just a matter of trying to develop a, a cleaner mechanism of thinking, and, and what, what all meditation techniques teach you is that your thoughts are not reality. Uh, we all tend to think that our thoughts are reality, and we all tend to get lost in those. I personally probably do uh, five to ten episodes of uh, a week of five to ten minutes of meditation. Occasionally, I'll go to 30 minutes, uh, and I use relatively simple techniques of meditation. The app that Rex refers to is Healthy Minds or Healthy Mind that you can get, you know, through Apple or whatever your podcast source is. And um, it actually will walk you through the meditation technique. And, and more importantly, it actually teaches you some great ideas about how to think better, uh, which I, I think we all need to kind of practice techniques that will make us better thinkers, especially in what we do in healthcare. I, I personally think that my meditation practice kind of got me out of my own head when my son died. Allowed me to not get lost in the crazy train that sometimes happens in your head uh, when things are, are, are going bad in your life. And I, I think that uh, an app like Healthy Minds or any of your other apps, I mean, quite frankly, just the simple technique of learning to watch your breath, notice your thoughts, uh, slow your breathing downs and be more aware of your the physiology that's going on in your body is, is is healthy. You don't have to get all complex like the Healthy Minds app does. I mean, it basically is, uh, if you buy the app, it is um, uh, incredibly intense and has a, a lot of components to it. So anyway, that's enough about that. And we could go on a lot more about this, but I think I think it's a reasonable start. So, why don't, why don't, oh, by the way, I, I, at no point have I uh, really brought this out that I do all the work on this podcast, and uh, it's all my uh, effort. Uh, you know, I, I, I I've uh, attained all the equipment and done everything. Uh, okay, so all of you that know Rex and me know that's a lie. I don't really know how to turn on a computer, and I just want to make sure that everybody realizes Rex has done all the work on this. Basically. Uh, and I, I deeply appreciate it. For those of you that know us, he's my best friend. And uh, for anything technical, I've got to count on him. Uh, I am a nerd and I do read a lot of books and I do drive him crazy with the number of books I throw at him. Uh, but at any rate, I, I, I do appreciate it, Rex. And for those of you that aren't aware of how we're doing this, this is still in the COVID uh era where we are uh, uh, physically separated, uh, and I'm actually doing this on my iPhone uh, with another uh, phone up to my ear. So it's interesting that uh, uh, we're able to do this in this time, and I deeply appreciate all the work that's done, that Rex has done. Uh, well, thanks. And as I've always told people, uh, Dave is such a technophobe that if he could get a rotary dial cell phone, he would have one. I'm working on it. Anyway, I'm working on uh, it. In summary. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's an app for that somewhere. Anyway, in summary, stress is a natural physiologic mechanism that was developed over eons of evolution. It helped us survive as a species to be old enough to reproduce, which is the way evolution works. If, however, you maintain that level of persisting arousal, you develop chronic health problems, which, although you'll live long enough to reproduce, you won't live very much longer after that. It can be good or it can be bad to have stress. It can impel you to perform or it can impede your performance. There are several methods of preventing chronic stress, of training your body more adaptive techniques, and we mentioned a few of them. Biofeedback, meditation, exercise, diet, spirituality, and, and yes, there's an app for that. And Healthy Mind is a very good one. In future episodes, we'll discuss some specific stress reduction techniques in more detail. This, in spite of its length, is just a mere introduction into the concept of stress and stress reduction, a subject important enough to keep mentioning and discussing. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Keep calm and defibrillate in this episode. Don't stab me. I'm not a saber tooth. And thanks to all healthcare workers. We in the emergency medicine and urgent care fields know how vital all of us are and the public is becoming more aware of this during this pandemic. They've become starkly aware of our roles. Keep listening. And as Dave says, let's have fun and do good work. All right, cool.